Okay, so we are wrapping up this series, which is over here now, uh, called I Am Because Our Internet Is Not Doing Terrific Tonight. But it's called I Am Because We're Talking About God, because we're talking about each aspect of God, the Trinity. Uh, as I've said, I'm not going to get super into the theology of that, but basically God is one God. He's complete all by himself. He is love. Uh, and we see him in three different aspects as a way to say it. Uh, the Father, the Creator, the 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 one that unites us, that brings us into a family, the person that we go to, the God that we go to just to do everything. Throughout the Old Testament, it talks about God the Father. Throughout the New Testament, too, Jesus talks about honoring God the Father. Uh, he's the creator, and he did everything, created everything, uh, is completely powerful, knows everything, sees everything, and yet he still loves us, yet he still wants us to have a relationship with him. We talked last week about Jesus and the fact that he's the Savior. Uh, in the Old Testament, in order to pray to God, in order to give up your sins, basically you had to sacrifice a bull or an animal. And, and part of that was to uh, lead us along in God's plan, and part of it was just to show devotion, to get started, to understand that there's something more to life, that there's something more to our faith, to what you can be. And then after enough time passed, in God's perfect time, uh, he sent Jesus. And Jesus came in human form uh, to two poor people, Mary and Joseph, and he was born in a manger. He was born in poorness. He was born in poverty. And yet, he still had nothing but love for everyone. Throughout his life, as he grew and as he went towards the cross, everybody hated him. Literally everybody threw shade at him. Literally everybody mocked him. Literally everybody uh, made fun of him and did all of these things. And yet he still did nothing but love people. He did nothing but do the right thing. He did nothing but do good. And when he left, uh, he didn't leave our lives. He didn't leave everything. He just went back up to heaven to prepare a place for us because he's our savior. He died for our sins. He died so that we could have a chance to heaven. Uh, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit is what we're talking about this week. That's the one that is often forgotten. It's the one that is the least understood. It's the one that we don't know enough about. And basically there's a lot of ways to look at it. And so I'm going to start reading the scripture first and then we'll get into it. But this is from Isaiah 11, one through two. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch uh, bearing fruit from the old root, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So basically, this is all the way back to the Old Testament, like way back near the beginning of time, uh, Isaiah wrote. This is after Moses, but this is way back into the Bible. And Isaiah was told, hey, someday there's going to be a guy named David, and David is going to have a line of people, and that line of people is going to pr produce the Messiah, Jesus, and Jesus is going to bring the Spirit. He's going to have knowledge. He's going to have courage. He's going to have faith. He's going to have truth. Um, all of these things describe who the Holy Spirit is, the Spirit of Connection. Basically, to tell you what the Holy Spirit is, who the Holy Spirit is, it's a who, it's part of the Trinity, he's part of the Trinity, um, he is what connects us all. He is the Spirit of God. He is uh, everywhere and everything. He's what we feel. A lot of people will look at it as a conscience. It's more than a conscience, but he's still something uh, that, that gives us this connection, that lets us know we're not alone, that lets us know that there's more to life, that lets us know that God is there. Um, if you've ever been in a situation where you've really felt the Spirit of God, you've really prayed, and you've done everything you can, and and you just feel this closeness. You feel this connection. You feel like you belong. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit letting you know. If you've been called to something, uh, I know that Jen has been called to the ministry. I've been called to the ministry. Some people have been called to throw forks and stuff. But all of these different things that we've been called to do, that is the Spirit speaking to you through your heart, through your life, through your mind, through everything that you do. And so we're going on to John 14, 26 through 27. 
Um, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. So basically, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Advocate. Uh, if you have ever watched a lawyer show, I've been watching Suits, but I've watched a lot of shows about courts and law, and it's fun to watch. Uh, if you've ever watched one, a lawyer is an advocate. So that's basically like a defense attorney. Let's say that Olivia kills somebody. And so she's, she's, really, she's really upset because somebody stole her candy bar and she just lashes out. She lashes out and she just kills Jillian. And it's so sad, we're all very upset. And it's, it's a horrible situation. It's an awful thing, don't ever do it. But she does, and so what does she do? She tries to get a lawyer. She's supposed to keep silent and you know, Remain silent, blah, 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 the, the Miranda rights. But she gets a lawyer. The lawyer is her advocate. The lawyer says, hey, it was insanity. Or the lawyer says, hey, this is her defense. Or whatever. That's what an advocate is. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. When you pray, the Holy Spirit kind of translates what you say. Now, what I mean by that is often when you go to the Lord in prayer, uh, you kind of are all over the place. At least I am. Like You're like, I want this, and I need this, and I, this is how I feel, and I don't even know how to say it. And you're just kind of praying. You're just kind of talking. Because that's what prayer is. It's talking to God. And when you're doing that, what the Holy Spirit does is kind of advocate for you. And he takes that from your heart to heaven and is like, hey, this is what, he's, what they're saying. This is what they want. This is what they need. This is what's going on. And God obviously knows that. And it's such a confusing thing to talk about God like that. But that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's our defense attorney. He's our uh, connection to God. He's our connection to each other. Um, you probably heard people say, hey, we're all in the family of God. That's the Holy Spirit. Like every Christian has the Holy Spirit and everyone in the world period has access to this amazing just more than a conscience, this amazing force, this amazing connection that is so cool. And so Jesus goes on to say, hey, this gift is more than that. This gift is peace. Now, that's something that can be hard to feel. Uh, I could tell you, I've talked about my depression. I've talked about my anxiety. I've talked about my life. Uh, lately, I've not been feeling great about myself, about things. It's just been a tough time for me. And it's hard for me sometimes to have peace of mind. It's hard for me sometimes to feel like I'm okay. It's hard for me sometimes to feel like it's going to be okay. And yet, when I pray, the Holy Spirit is there kind of filling me and saying, hey, you're not alone. Now, the hard thing is, I could go up to you when you're at your worst, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, whoever can go up to you when you're at your worst, and you still have to accept that. But it's still good to know that, to know you're not alone, to know you're connected, to know you have that. Uh, and that's something that keeps me going sometimes, all the time. But that's something that when I'm at my worst, I try to focus on. It doesn't mean that you're immediately happy because you're never going to be immediately happy. Uh, I've used this quote before. I like it. I'll probably use it again because most people forget what I say. But um, in, there's a saying in Russia, uh, somebody who smiles all the time is either insane or American. And the reason they say that, the reason they say that is because in America, we put this uh, impetus, this this pressure for everybody to smile, this need where it's like you have to be happy all the time. If you get on social media, you see everybody, nobody really posts pictures of being sad unless that's what they're going for. But most of the time it's like happy, like eating sprinkles and stuff. Like most of the time it's just happy stuff and it's, it's fun stuff and it's winning stuff and it's all this stuff. And, and that's what it is all about. Like people, if you're not smiling, even if you're not sad, they're going to be like, hey, smile. Now girls get that more than guys, but still it's something that happens. And that's because we put such a pressure on that. But happiness, joy does not come 
from smiling. It doesn't come from short-term stuff. That doesn't mean that you're never happy with that stuff. But it means that true joy, true peace of mind is having the Spirit, having God, having this connection and knowing that, hey, no matter what happens, God still loves me. No matter what I do, I'm still connected to Him. No matter what my life looks like, no matter how crazy it gets, no matter how scary it gets, no matter how dark I feel, I still have this connection. And so that's what Jesus says. And when he's saying, don't be troubled or afraid, he's not saying, hey, if you're afraid or you're troubled, you're done. He's saying, don't give in to this stuff because he's here. Don't give in to this stuff. You're going to feel troubled. You're going to feel afraid because that's life. But don't give in to it. Don't give in to your bad impulses to say, for example, throw marshmallows or something while someone's talking. Don't give in to things like that. Uh, But understand that connection that you have peace of mind. Next scripture. So this is kind of the first known, well... The first kind of talked about appearance. This is from Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of mighty windstorm. uh, And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Israel. So basically... After Jesus had gone up to heaven again, he died on the cross, he was resurrected, he came back, and then he's like, hey, disciples, go start a church, I'm going to prepare a place, but the Spirit's coming. So all the disciples were kind of meeting in a room preaching, Uh, they had other people there, they were building a church, they were building a faith, they were building Christianity from the ground up, talking about Jesus, talking about their experience, and all of a sudden everybody basically saw fire everywhere. Now if I'm talking right now and we see fire everywhere, that's a different situation, but they saw like this amazing thing and then they felt this amazing thing. And so a lot of people spoke a lot of different languages and yet all of a sudden everybody started hearing the word of God in their own language. So like while the disciples are talking, uh, you've probably heard of like there's, there's a Pentecostal church where they talk about speaking in tongues and they talk about uh, different things like that and being filled with the spirit. We may see it differently, but the point is the Holy Spirit can do amazing things. When the disciples healed other people, when they did miracles like Jesus did, that was the Holy Spirit giving them that power to show others who He is. The Holy Spirit isn't something that happens just showy. It's not like hopes like, hey, I really want to know how to fly, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's not going to help her to fly. Holy Spirit, though, will help you to have this power at the time of need, at the time to show who Jesus is. He'll give you strength. When you're tempted, he'll give you strength when you're in a situation you shouldn't be in or that you don't want to be in. He'll give you strength when you're worried about college or you're worried about school or you're worried about life or you're worried about home or you're worried about whatever. He'll be there to connect you just like he was in this room with the believers who all of a sudden saw this impressive evidence of the Spirit of God. And it's so cool and it's so powerful. Uh, There's literally nothing that can't happen. Now, obviously, things are different now. That doesn't mean they can't happen, but we don't see people like pastors and stuff going around and necessarily bringing people back from the dead or healing people or doing things like that. That doesn't mean that the Spirit of God is less powerful. What it means is it just works in different ways for different people. What it means is we don't necessarily see everything, for one, but it means that the Spirit connects us in different ways and gives us what we need, not what we want. The last part of the scripture, this is Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So basically, like I said, a lot of people will look at this, look at the Holy Spirit like a conscience. So if you've ever, uh, let's say that your parents are like, hey, who broke this cookie jar? And they're like, Seth, you know, this cookie jar wasn't broken a second ago, and you have seven cookies in your hand right now, and it's broken. What happened? And Seth's like, uh, I don't know. I think Cooper came over and did it. 
And, uh, and, so, and so Seth is like, I don't know. And like you guys, maybe with your family before you've said your parents when you've gotten in trouble, like, I don't know. I don't know. Who did it? I don't know. Uh, the first time you do that, you feel really guilty. The first time you do anything wrong. Hopefully you've not cheated. Hopefully you've not done a lot of stuff wrong. But the first time you do anything wrong, you feel that guilt. You feel that guilt. Now, the next time you do the same thing, that guilt's a little less. And then the next time, it's a little less and a little less and a little less. Because what you're doing is you're kind of pushing the spirit away. And you're like, I can do this on my own. And so this is talking about him not as a conscience, but about more than that. About our morals, about our, who we are, about who we can be. And this, what he says here, for me, it takes religion out of it. And now, I don't mean don't have faith. I don't mean don't go to church. I do that, obviously. But what I mean is this is more than just religion, more than just the church you go to. This is how everybody should live. And here are the things that, again, it says how, what we can get from the Spirit and how we can live, the fruit of the Spirit. Love. I talk about love all the time. We have to love everybody. Even if you don't like everybody, love everybody. And sometimes the easiest way to do that, sometimes the only way to do that is to just not hate people. It's to love people. Again, does not mean you have to be best friends. Some people are cruel. Some people are abusive. Some people are mean. Some people do not deserve to be in your life. But loving means that you don't talk about them. You don't spill the tea about them. You don't uh, say mean things about them. You don't hurt them. You don't do all of these things behind their back. It means that you just kind of pray for them and you move on. Uh, doesn't mean they don't have consequences. If somebody does something wrong to you, they should have consequences. But love is what connects us. Unfortunately, this is one of the things that is the hardest to see sometimes. Uh, it's the hardest to feel sometimes. And yet, this is how we are supposed to show Jesus. This is how we are supposed to show the Spirit, is love. And it goes from there to joy. Like I said, joy does not mean that you're walking around happy all the time, because you're not going to. Some people can do that. Some people can put that on. Some people can really, truly be kind of bubbly and happy, and that's cool. But for the most part, nobody is happy all the time. Joy is more than that. Joy is an assurance that... Even if things aren't okay right now, they will be okay because you have God, because you have the Spirit. That's what joy is. It means that inside you know that even if things suck right now, even if things are really hard right now, even if you don't see happiness right now, God's there and you can hold on to that and move forward. That's joy. Peace, again, it's not, it's not never being upset. It's not never being hurt. Peace is having this feeling that you're not alone. It's having this feeling that there's more than you. It's having this feeling that you can always keep fighting. It's having this feeling that you keep waking up. It's having this feeling that, that you're not trying to be the problem. Uh, you're not going to get along with everybody. Some of you guys, I'm sure at one point or another, have maybe argued with your parents or your brothers or your sisters or your cousins. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, you're not going to get along with everybody. You could go and you could be perfect. You could do everything right. You could never make a mistake. You could never do anything wrong. And there would still be somebody that argues with you because some people do that. Peace does not mean never any of that happening. Peace means that you do your best to not be the one that's causing the problem. You do your best to treat everybody like you'd want to be treated. You do your best to help everybody. You do your best to show that peace. And then patience is kind of in the same vein. Uh, patience is being patient. Like, I know that sounds stupid, but patience is being patient. This is one that I struggle with sometimes because nobody understands when they're driving that the left lane is for passing. Everybody just goes the same speed, especially semis, and it drives me insane. Uh, it's also really hard to wait for popcorn to go four minutes or soup to go two minutes. Like, this stuff is difficult. And so patience can be hard, but patience is about more than little stuff like that. Patience is... Having somebody that you're close to who's not where you are in their life or in their walk with Christ or in their life period 
and having the patience and understanding that they need when they come to you. Uh, it's knowing that sometimes people are going to be looking at you while you're talking and not listening. It means that sometimes people are going to ask you what you said over and over and over again. Um, in my life, I was raised by my great-grandparents. Uh, at the end of my great-grandma's life, she had Alzheimer's, and I took care of her, and it was just me and her. It was very difficult because she was in her 90s, and she would just, I mean, Alzheimer's, she would forget everything. So I remember one story. I had this poster of the five Indiana basketball championship teams. And so it was uh, 40, 53, 81, 87. I skipped 76. Sorry, that's the most important one. But anyway, the five NCAA championship teams for IU. And I hung it up on the outside of my door. And like I was a youth pastor at the time, so I'd go. I came back one day, and it was gone. Like some of the tape was still there. And I was like, hey, you know, Mama, I called her Mama. I was like, hey, where'd this go? And she's like, I didn't see it. And no, she's not lying. She just honestly had no idea where it went. Uh, and so, you know, I found it. It was under the bed somewhere. Don't know why. Never will know why. Uh, I put it back up. I put more tape on it. And then probably a couple weeks, three weeks later, same thing happened, except this time there was just a corner up there. And I'm like, uh-oh. And so, I, again, same thing. I'm like, hey, you know, where did this go? What, what happened to this? And again, I knew the answer, but still, it was hard because she's like, I don't know. And it's like, well, you know, I know you know, but, but you don't know. And it's hard because she had no idea. Like, she honestly wasn't trying to, to be mean or anything. She had no idea what she was doing. And then a couple weeks later, same thing, except this time a couple more corners, and I never found it again. Uh, and, and it's very hard because it was important to me. It's very hard because it was mine and all of these things. But I had to be patient and understand that like, she's not doing anything uh, wrong like in her mind. Like, she has no idea why she did it. Who knows what was going through her mind? Who knows? And so with other people, you have to be aware that there are obviously going to be some people that are just trying to annoy you to annoy you. I get that. But for the most part, people that are talking to you, people that have different beliefs, people that have different thoughts, people that think differently, that believe differently, or whatever else, they're not doing that just to like tick you off. That's just who they are. And you have to be patient with them. You have to be understanding with them. When somebody comes to you with a problem, even if they've come to you with that problem 700 times before, you have to be patient and understanding and be like, okay, well, maybe you listen this time. Maybe they won't, but your job is to just do that patience. And that's what the Holy Spirit helps with. And then kindness and goodness, they kind of go hand in hand. Be kind to people. Um, this is hard. Uh, it shouldn't be hard, but it's hard because we treat each other like crap. Uh, people treat each other like garbage. Like people in your schools probably bully you sometimes. People uh, around town, around the world, they, they bully each other on social media. There's cyberbullying. I said this during confirmation, but I watched Dear Evan Hansen yesterday. Uh, it was a wonderful movie, great musical. And in it, you like see just what it's like to feel alone because you, you're treated poorly or because... You're, you're being unkind or someone's being unkind to you. And knowing that there's a phrase, hurt people hurt people. Uh, I'm not saying that every single person that hurts you, like they're just deep down hurt and they really just need somebody to hug them. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is when people are hurting, often they lash out. And so it's, again, us to show kindness, to show understanding. This does not mean let people walk all over you. It doesn't mean stand there and let people insult you. It doesn't mean let people bully you. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we don't return an eye for an eye. We don't return kind for kind. We just show people who we are. And the same with goodness. It's doing the right thing. Understanding that you're trying to be good. Trying to do the right thing. Um, I've said before, no matter what you do, no matter how long you live, no matter what happens in your life, you can always ask for forgiveness. There's literally nothing you could ever do. Even Olivia murdering Jill. Literally nothing you could ever do that God won't forgive if you truly come back to him and ask. Now there are people who hear that 
And they're like, well, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to hurt people. I'm going to steal. I'm going to do everything bad. I'm just going to do whatever I want, and then I'll ask later. The problem with that, besides the obvious, is the more you put off that asking, the less your heart is in a place that you even care about asking. I mean, think about it. The more you put off something, the less you kind of even ever want to do it. Like if you're like, and you never want to clean your room anyway, but let's say you have to clean your room. You're like, I'm going to do it tomorrow. You're not going to want to do it tomorrow either. And the next day, you're not going to want to do it tomorrow, the next day either. Like, and you keep putting it off and putting it off, and eventually you're on hoarders or something. And so it's the same with life. Do your best to do the right thing. Do your best to, to, to not give in to temptation. And when you honestly, you're like, oh, man, I, I didn't mean to do this, or I made a mistake, or I made a bad choice, ask for forgiveness right away. But don't go through your life being like, hey, I can be forgiven, so I'm going to do whatever I want, because that's a dangerous path. And then the last one is self-control, and that kind of ties everything together. Um, self-control is control of self. Self-control is uh, seeing like a thing of, like if I put a thing of M&Ms here, like a giant two-gallon tub of M&Ms, and you're just eating them, and you're like, I'm allergic to M&Ms, and so this is dumb, and you're just eating them and eating them and eating them, and slowly like you're puffing out and puffing out, and then you die because you didn't have any self-control. That's dumb. Now, obviously, self-control can be more difficult, but self-control is just understanding, hey, you know what, even though I want this, or even though this would be fun in the short term, or even though this would be okay right now, long term, I, I don't know if I should do this. And it's stopping and thinking. Self-control means stopping and thinking, what are the consequences? It means stopping and thinking, what's this going to look like tomorrow? It means stopping and thinking, if I send this text, or I post this, or I say this, or I do this, What's going to happen to me tomorrow? What is going to come back to me one day? And it's just stopping and thinking about it. And that's what the Holy Spirit helps with. That's why people say he's like a conscience, because he helps with that. And so when you pray, you'll feel that. When you become a Christian, when you follow God, you'll feel that spirit. It does not mean that you're never going to mess up. It does not mean that you're never going to do the wrong thing, because you are. But it means that you have this connection where you're never going to feel alone. It means you have this connection where, where you have this advocate speaking for you. You have this advocate explaining for you. You have this advocate connecting you to literally every other Christian. Not just right now, but in the history of time. And to God. And that means you're never alone. It means that even though life may be tough, that there's going to be a way through. It means that even though things may suck... It's not always going to suck. And it's helping each other. It's loving each other. It's remembering those fruit of the Spirit and showing them to each other. That's literally all we can do. And that's what the Holy Spirit helps with. That's why I wanted to do this series. Because everybody knows who Jesus is. For the most part, we know God the Father. Holy Spirit, you've heard it. You don't know. But when you give your life, when you follow God, when you do your best, not everybody is immediately going to treat you like they should. I wish they did. But you will find that you have that peace. When you follow the fruit of the Spirit and you do the gentleness, the kindness, the love thing, you're going to find that when people do the wrong thing to you or when people do hurt you, it still hurts, it still upsets you, but it kind of you have this connection where you can move forward in a different way, where you can feel like, hey, you know, this hurts and this sucks, but, but I kind of know what happened last time and I kind of know I can go forward and I know that God will be there. And once you have that, once you feel that, it's helping everybody else feel that too and see that too. And that's what we do. That's what we should do. That's all I got.